Hello, and welcome to another episode of Seattle to Unknown. I'm Sarah. I'm Melinda. And this is a travel podcast for people who are interested in travel. Go figure. (laughs) Such a tricky (laughs) concept. I know, right? If you are not interested in travel, this might not be the podcast for you. I mean, you can listen, but I just don't want you to be bored. Oh, unless we're, like, serving a purpose so you can, like, help fall asleep at night. <laughs> oh, that is a market we have not attempted to go after yet. That's that's a thing in podcasts. I haven't tried it, but that's totally a thing. So I guess if you're not entirely interested and we're monotone enough for you to fall asleep to, then um, nighty-night. As long as you like your monotony interspersed with loud bursts of manic-sounding laughter, because we kind of do that a lot. And random bits of song. Oh, we should just sing people to sleep. What if we just did a podcast for people who can't sleep on airplanes and need something to listen to while they attempt to fall asleep? We just hum louder than the plane. Exactly. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay, now we have to harmonize and together... Hmm. <laughs> We're partway to a barbershop quartet. Don't we need to like con somebody else into thinking this is a great idea with us for a oh wait, quartet, that'd be four, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, two more people. I got this. <laughs> Leave it to the accountant to explain the number four to you. You didn't. I figured it out all on my own, like a big girl. I know, but I sat there watching it unfold across your face. I was like, should I jump in and say it's two? Nah, just let her figure it out. I I got this. I recovered nicely, thank you. Well, you recovered nicely until I pointed it out. Yeah, jerk face. (laughs) Pardon me while I point out the flaws in what you are saying. Rude. Anyways, I totally have a fall-themed cocktail for this episode. Is it pumpkin juice from Harry Potter? No, it's not, because I would have to go to California or Orlando for that. I think you mean Hogwarts? That too. (laughs) Okay, what you got? I've got GT's Kombucha. It's Living in Gratitude Fall Edition. So it has apple, turmeric, carrot, and spices. But no pumpkin? Is what it's listed on the front why no pumpkin because not everything fall related has to be pumpkin i want apples that is where you are wrong missy if it doesn't have pumpkin in it it is not fall related period end of story so news flash we learned that sarah is way more basic than i am <laughs> good to know i don't think i've ever had a pumpkin anything but it can't be fall related if it's not pumpkin this is just facts Sarah Sarah is the new basic white girl out of this duo. It's no longer me. You know how it was hot girl summer? Well, now it's Christian girl autumn. And since I'm not a Christian girl, I am clearly not that basic. I don't know what that means, but okay. Well, okay, one of us is basic and the other one doesn't get out much. Uh, I think that just described both of us. Yeah, possibly. Basic and recluses. <laughs> Oops. Not bad. Not bad. There's kiwi juice in this too. It's just sneaky. 
Also, there's a lot of sediment at the bottom of that container. It was kind of gross looking. Not as bad as yours. Oh, it does look like there's a booger in there, though. See? Like a loogie. Oh. Yeah. You're really selling it to me. I'm going to rush home at Christmas and get some. It's not going to be here at Christmas. This is the fall edition. You know what does make me kind of mad is that the pumpkin spice nitro cold brew is not available in Germany. And that's one of the few things that I would actually be super interested in trying. That sounds kind of good. Sucker. All right. Do you actually have a cocktail this time? I Yes and no. Yes, in that I bought a cocktail for tonight. No, in that I have finished it. Shame. I know. Shame, Belle. So I... <laughs> There's this drink that has been available in grocery stores near me for a little while, but I've always been too chicken to try it out because it looks like one of those things that could either be really good or make you want to bleach your mouth out. (laughs) (laughs) There is no in-between. So it's... What is it? Now I'm intrigued. It's in a white plastic bottle, opaque label, and the label just says, this is food. Oh my... And I saw one on one of my coworkers' desks the other day, and I asked her, so, this is food. Is it edible? And she goes, eh, I mean, it's okay. And then the next day, she had three more on her desk. So I thought, that's a weird endorsement. I think it's just okay, but also I need more. Interesting. It's like a meal replacement shake in the Slim Fast style, but it's not actually for dieting of any sort. It's just all your nutrients in a single glass it's just food on the go yeah exactly so i got smooth vanilla and the first sip i was like oh it's just it kind of tastes like a melted milkshake it's sweet it's yummy i'm like oh this isn't so bad and then i before i went to take a second sip i realized oh no now my mouth is just filled with chalk Ooh, weird the aftertaste was just pure chalky tablet like a tums yeah yeah so The flavor, not bad. The consistency, not great. I definitely won't be showing up to work and suddenly have three of them on my desk. Maybe it's one of those once you get past like the first six bottles, it's like your new best friend. (laughs) (laughs) But they're also not cheap. It was $3.50 for a bottle. It was a one-time I'm interested, I'll try it type deal. I'm not going to replace all my meals with them though. Probably because that would be nutritionally a very bad idea yeah yeah for sure for sure real food is probably the best food so yeah i mean lots of things are food it doesn't mean i want to pay for them or ingest them (laughs) not all edible things are good let's put it that way okay that that's probably better phrasing (laughs) and even worse when it's an edible thing that's been made drinkable what do you mean you don't want, like, the ham sma- ham sandwich smoothie? Uh, I prefer hot ham water. I have to go now. <laughs> oh, and this is the moment when you reveal to our audience that you don't watch Arrested Development. I don't. There's a scene where Portia de Rossi's character, who is very rich and has never had to do anything for herself in her life, decided she wanted to learn how to cook. And so she put some ham in some water and boiled it. And when they asked her what she was making, she goes, I think I invented it. I'll call it hot ham water. Gross. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, so do you have any updates this week? Not really. No. Waiting for it to be Halloween. 
This is my favorite time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Halloween. Do, 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 do. I'm too tired to come up with words that go to this tune. Make your own. Write your own Halloween-y most wonderful time of the year lyrics. Okay. They'll be way better than that rendition. Well, obviously. That would be my hope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have any updates? I do, and it's actually travel-related. Hooray! Oh my gosh, we're on topic. On topic. Who does that? So, <laughs> all the best podcasts are off topic. Anyway. I was going to say missed opportunity for a podcast name. <laughs> so, I'm in a bunch of travel-related Facebook groups. Yes, yeah, she is. And like, Too many. Possibly, definitely, yes. One of which is for the website Her Packing List, which is a great website that gives you all kinds of tips about travel and how to pack efficiently. And actually, fun fact, that's where I made my base guideline of what to pack on my travels. Yep, me too. Yeah. So, thanks. Yeah, I like that website. I was just scrolling through Facebook and someone posted, hey, I bought these travel shoes, but they don't fit me. I'm about to leave on a trip and I just want to put them in the mail to someone who wants them. Aww. And she coincidentally, she said she would ship anywhere in the world, but she happens to live in Germany. And I happen to be the first person to reply. And she says, I will give you the shoes for free. No shipping, no cost, nothing put them in the mail, um, but I want you to make a donation to an organization that helps with pregnancy-related difficulties for women in rural Ethiopia. And I said, I have no problem donating to a cause that helps people. And if I get a pair of shoes out of it, that would also be great. So either I just donated to an organization that needs something but I'm not getting anything in return because this could be like a weird setup. Who knows? Like when someone <laughs> when someone offers something for free on the internet, you kind of have a moment of, uh? am I going to get murdered? Yeah, but I gave her my office address, so I think I'm probably okay. Or so the assassin will just find a Sarah at the office building. Exactly, and there's lots of us. Or a very very kind person on the internet wanted someone to have a pair of shoes that someone who can use them can have them. And in exchange, I made a donation to an organization, which I'm getting. Are these shoes cursed? Possibly. But I'm sure you've all seen, or if you pay any attention to Kickstarter like I do, you've seen the Tropic Feel shoes. They're tennis shoes that are ultra-ventilated. They're good for allegedly pretty much everything um you can even swim in them because they're ultra quick drying and i've wanted to try them out but i also didn't really want to drop 90 bucks on a pair of kickstarter shoes but fair that's yeah presumably they will arrive soon and i'll get to try them out and then i'll tell you all about it and all the blister magic that you get from them they have elastic backs on them, so they shouldn't give me blisters. Keyword there, kids. Shouldn't. <laughs> Theoretically. Okay. Well, that'll be cool to hear. 
yeah, I was pretty stoked. I saw that and went, this can't be real. I don't care. I'm going to try anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, hey, I'll give you these shoes if you'll donate to like this really cool organization that's helping people. That's an awesome way to do things. I think she said she was either an obstetrics nurse or an OBGYN, and I'm not certain which off the top of my head, but that because of that, this organization is very near and dear to her heart. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm I donating to an important cause is never bad. If I don't get shoes out of it, I'll live. Yeah, it's your good deed for the year. Now you won't burn so much. Hell. Aww. Normally, you say I'm going to burn a lot in hell. Same. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) we'll be there together. Uh, I think we might be in separate neighborhoods. I'm just saying. We'll visit. Okay, clarify further. Who's in what neighborhood and which one is worse? I'm not sure yet. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) This this is all, like, to be announced stuff. Um, TBD, TBD. TBA? To be determined, to be announced, pretty much the same thing. Yeah, that kind of goes along with our theme. Hell. Oh, I thought you were gonna say. Never mind. Anyway, continue. <laughs> this is episode thirty-one for us, which is perfectly timed for this time of year, seeing how it is Halloween week. Spooky episode. <laughs> yeah, we're poor and we can't get more background music so um feel free to put on your favorite halloween tunes maybe a little monster (laughs) mash in the background welcome to our halloween travel tip show our spooky episode numero one or 31 okay are you ready for some uh some spooky news i don't know if it's really spooky it's applicable go with me here okay applicably spooky but not spooky news hit it Okay, so to set the mood, I need you all to mentally singing or like humming the X-Files theme. <laughs> do, 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 But not do. in a way that gets us sued. So yeah, have the X-Files theme song like playing in the back of your mind on this, okay? So. Okay. In Thailand, there's a huge Buddha statue that UFO seekers are now flocking to because they believe it's home to a wormhole that aliens use to travel to different dimensions. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. So if you missed out on the rave or raid on Area 51, maybe Thailand's the place for you to go to. An alien tourism. Okay, go on. <laughs> you don't sound sold on this idea of going to Thailand. I'm sold on the idea of Thailand. I'm not sold on the idea it has anything to do with aliens. Oh, no. Um, in, I think it's Koakala. Okay. In somewhere I can't say. It translates to City of Heaven. It's located just three hours north of the Thai capital of Bangkok. It's become a hot spot for a supernatural, supernatural um, tourism. On this hill, located amongst sugarcane plantations, there's this huge Buddha statue. And so believers have decided that this is a supernatural site, and it hides a secret wormhole 
that lets aliens come visit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, why not? Aliens love Buddha, apparently. I'm with you, but I'm also not with you. <laughs> um, the the believers say that they can hear the aliens through meditation, and they've described them as slender, silvery, little humanoids. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Are you still not there? I mean, y- no. <laughs> Come on. There has been reports of UFO sightings, of silhouettes of figures on top of the hilltop, and others have said that they were actually spun around by alien powers. Aliens. Uh, mm, okay. <laughs> no? You don't want to? I mean, it sounds pretty cool. It also sounds like this might be a group of people who might be partaking in substances not found in nature. I mean, maybe, but... um... Or lots of ones that do occur in nature. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, Apparently, the aliens have uh, knowledge of high technology and that they're trying to communicate to uh, the people there because they, they're kind of worried about us and what we're doing to the world, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's, it's becoming a huge big deal. Um, police are having problems with all the people that are coming there because they're worried they're going to ruin the forest and the plantations that are around it. And wouldn't that be ironic? The aliens are worried about us, but in our need to talk to them... We're making it worse. Yeah. Which is probably like the best irony to the story. But yeah, if you are into um, some supernatural alien sightings, this might be the place for you in Thailand. Go check it out. Go uh, talk to little silvery humanoids. Little silver. Tell them we say hi. Hmm. Okay. Here's the thing, is I I believe that it's statistically improbable that we are alone in the universe. It's a very, very large place. It's a big, big universe. So many dimensions and unanswered questions. Yes. But I feel like if aliens were here, more than a few people in Thailand would know about it. Yeah, but what if Earth is just, like, their zoo? I feel like we would know about that, they're just messing with us. (laughs) They're taunting us like people taunt the monkeys. Gosh, there was a book that I read as a kid about some kids who were kidnapped from Earth and made to perform in an alien zoo. And I was terrified of this book. Because the plot twist at the end, spoiler alert for this book whose title I can't remember, um, they find (laughs) out that they weren't kidnapped by aliens, they were performing in a zoo on Earth, but everyone there had made them believe that they were part, that they were in this alien zoo, and it was really creepy. Weird. Yeah. They eventually escape the fake space zoo thing. Huh. But I remember walking away from that book thinking, what if my whole life is a lie? What if I'm the animal in the zoo? 
Yeah. Or, oh, I feel like that was the theme of a lot of kids' books for a while. There is also one about a girl. Are you sure these aren't Goosebumps? Because I feel like they're very much Goosebump stories. No, not a Goosebump book. It was about a girl who her she's living in like a pioneer town of some sort and pox is coming through their village and people are dying and her mom tells her she has to escape the village and go get back this thing that'll help cure them all and you find out that their pioneer village is part of an exhibit at like a cultural like colonial williamsburg but the people there don't know that they're in colonial williamsburg like spoiler alert the village Yes, but this came out before The Village by a long shot. I don't doubt that, but yeah. I mean, this this idea has been out there, so. Well, yeah, but yeah. my th- I, I'm going to go with no on the aliens, but you can believe whatever you want so long as you're not destroying the environment around you. Yeah, so if you go to, like, contact the aliens in Thailand... Make sure you're being respectful to the, you know, the sugarcane plantations and whatnot. Leave no trace. Just like the aliens clearly have. No, no, they leave crop Mm. circles. Yeah. But they don't actually hurt the crops, though. No, it's so, they're bent. They're just bent. They're just sleeping. (laughs) They're just sleeping. They're sleepy corn stalks. Sleep. (laughs) Go night, night corn. They go night night. See you tomorrow. Sweet dreams. Night night. With the sweet corn. (laughs) Aww. I see what you did there. Should we get into this uh, Halloween themed episode? Yes. Buckle up. It's about to get spooky. Spooky. So... As you may have gathered from the multiple times... Spooky and sassy. <laughs> from the multiple times that we've mentioned this would be a very Halloween-y episode. We are going to give you some ideas of Halloween places you might... Or places you might want to visit at Halloween. However, I think when some people think of Halloween-y stuff, they're like, Hey, let's go visit that place where someone got murdered. Uh, we're going to steer clear of that, mostly. Sorta. Eh, because I I think there's a difference between spooky good time at Halloween and gawking at gravesites. Oh, I don't think any of this necessarily has to do with hanging out in cemeteries. I mean, there's some grave-related things. Historical? Yeah, exactly. It's historical things. I think a lot of this are like historical Halloween-associated things. Yeah, as opposed to like hey, someone famous got murdered here. So you'll see. Just roll with it. It's spooky good times, not depressing, scary things. Yeah, which there there is kind of a fine line, too. On probably the lightest note, <laughs> <laughs> one of the first places that we want to talk about is Halloween at Disney. Because damn it, Disney, you do a really good job with things. And it's just even my cold dead disney hating heart kind of enjoys disneyland and at halloween it is it's extra cute it it really is so typically around like the start of september to october 31st halloween kind of takes over at disneyland so if you do any of the character meets the characters are usually going to be in their own halloween costume 
which is super cute. Little spooky Mickey and Minnie. And I think they bring out more of the villains at those times, which is yes. fun. Yes. Yes. Uh, speaking about the villains, like the nighttime shows that they kind of do for everybody, it's really villain themed, which is pretty cool. So like Ursula gets the spotlight and like mm-hmm. Maleficent, you know, everybody's favorite bad gals. They do fireworks on select nights too to go along with it, which is pretty cool. For some of the decorative things, Jack Skellington and Halloween Town takes over the Haunted Mansion, and that one actually goes until early January, because Nightmare Before Christmas, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, I think I like the Haunted Mansion better with Halloween Town takeovers. <laughs> it's cute. I love that movie. But um, there's they also decorate like throughout the park. Main Street has a whole bunch of hand-carved pumpkins, which is pretty mm-hmm. rad. They're, yeah, like, all the the different areas of the park kind of have their own little Halloween twist to it, like Cars Land and everything. But more importantly, there's Halloween treats. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so freaking cute. They're really well done. Um... In the archives of pictures, there's me looking very, very tired after a long day of Disney with a a Day of the Dead Mickey Rice Krispie treat. It's still one of my favorite pictures because... I look so tired, but like also kind of happy. Yeah, it's a weird mix of I might pass out at any moment, but like sparkling eyes because you're so excited. Don't stop moving or we'll sleep, but hey, sugar. (laughs) So yeah, maybe we'll post that up on our Instagram, but it's Disney. They do a really good job. It's slower than if you go in the summertime, and it's fun. There's also after-hour parties that are additional to the park costs that you can do for, like, um, there's ones for children's where it's not so scary, and then there's, like, adult Halloween parties. So fun for every age group if you're a fan of Disney and Halloween. It's just fun. I agree. And like I said, Disney is, I think I overdid it with Disney when I lived in California because lots of people would come to visit and everybody wants to go to Disneyland, which I I won't begrudge someone. It's fun. You should do it at least once in your life. I never got to go until I visited you. (laughs) But I think I overdid it. And so the last time I went was with you for Halloween that one year and halloween bitch that was my birthday well yes i know but it was during the halloween (laughs) season (laughs) yes which was like the the whole point because that was probably the last time we were gonna go Mm -hmm. and i wanted to do the halloween because that's my holiday yeah i'm a spooky kid at heart and so it was really fun seeing it seeing the park in a whole different way because disney is obviously over the top glossy sterile cutesy most of the year yeah and then at halloween it's definitely not scary i think some people worry oh halloween at disney might be more like not scary farm where it's truly like out to scare the crap out of you yeah it's it's like not it's still yeah it's still sterile and disney but it's darker and kind of twisted and it's a different take on the park that you already love and cooler treats and cooler treats so i recommend it it's fun 
it's expensive because it's Disney, but it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. The next thing on my list is sort of like going to Disney. It's an experience. There is a play, and play is a really loose way of putting it. It's sort of a theatrical experience in New York called Sleep No More. And it is friggin' cool. So Sleep No More is essentially a retelling of Macbeth, but it's an interactive play that takes place in a hotel. Interesting. And it has been going on since 2011. I think, if not nonstop, fairly close to nonstop since then, where you get tickets, you walk into the hotel bar, you get a free drink when you arrive, you knock it back, and you just kind of wait. And you enter the hotel in um, groups of, I think, 10, maybe? And you just wander through this building, and it's room after room of different sets, and a set might have a person acting in it. It might not. The actors all run loops that take about an hour. So you might find an actor who's performing their scene and just follow them into the next set. Or maybe they don't interest you quite as much as someone else. And you find someone else walking by and you follow them. But the set is all wholly interactive. So if you see a dresser, you can open it and dig through it. And there will be props inside that will give you more information about all of the characters. And it's set, I would say, in the 20s, I think. Uh, it says 30s. I wasn't too far off. <laughs> What's but. one extra decade? <laughs> 20s, 30s. What does anybody know about the 30s? You know a lot about the 20s. You know a lot about the 40s, 30s. Meh. We just kind of glazed over that. Exactly. But what's really interesting about it is that there's very, very little dialogue in the entire play. Hmm. So it's a lot of emoting. It's a lot of like physicality, but not a lot of dialogue. And sometimes an actor will just walk over to you, whisper in your ear, grab you, and you are now part of it. Interesting. And you just kind of go with them to the next scene. And um, it just has these massive set pieces. It's very dark. It's very scary. Uh, I mean, it's not a haunted house. It's definitely not that, but it's very chilling. Like you see people, you see, it's like you're an invisible person in someone else's life. So you see the things they do behind closed doors and... I mean, it's Macbeth. It's not exactly a happy story. So if that gives you any idea. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's cool. It's definitely a different take on uh, on theater. Yeah. And I think it's, gosh, how big is it? I think it's five or six stories that you wander through. And you have up to three hours to do it. So if you go through the entire loop of the play, you can go back to the beginning, follow a different actor through their set. And so you see, I think there's like eight main characters, give or take. It's been a few years since I've done this, so my memory isn't fully all together anymore. Oh yeah, it is five. Shame. It's five stories of different sets. And so you get to the end, you saw one character all the way through, maybe you go back and find a different one and follow them through their loop. And what you don't, 
what they don't necessarily tell you is that the finale, because all of these characters converge in a single set for the last scene, is that if you stay through all three loops of the play, the ending on the final one is different. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But it's really cool. I mean, you're like going through people's bedside drawers and like at one point you wander into a candy shop and you can pull candy out and start eating it and carry it with you to the next set. And so, and there's no one set direction. You can walk backwards and see what's going on in the set that you just left. Maybe a new character has just shown up and they're doing the scene again. Oh, and the whole time you were wearing super creepy plague doctor masks. Yes. I'm, I'm in. Yes, let's go. Oh, oh, wait. It's not like Plague Doctor. It's more like Venetian, but you know the style of big nose. Like the bird beak. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And they actively kind of separate you from the people you come with. And good luck finding them again because you're all wearing the same mask. So that all enhances the creepiness factor. Right on. Oh, I dig it. It is super fun. I highly recommend it. The person I went with after the final scene walked out crying. Good thing you have masks on so you can't tell who it was. <laughs> oh, I knew. He, he took the mask off. I was like, oh. oh, oh, this might have affected you slightly more than it did me. Oops. Which is not to say it didn't affect me, but it really affected him. Yeah. But it's, it's super cool. I cannot recommend it enough. It is very creepy and very Halloween-y. So, no. yeah. <laughs> Sleep no more. Check it out. It's fun. And then if you're feeling really adventurous and trying to go far off for some spooky travels, uh, you could always check out Brand Castle, which is actually in Transylvania, Romania. Yes, Transylvania is a real place, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Which is kind of funny about this castle. So it was built in 1211. Yeah, long time ago. It, the, its low season for tourism is actually October, October 1st to March 31st. So if you want to go for a, a spooky season, now's probably the time to go. They ha do have shorter hours, so look ahead. But they also typically do a Halloween party where you can do a night tour and the party, or you can do a gourmet dinner. Prices range from like 16 US dollars to 74. You're welcome for converting. Um, but the castle also has this really cool feature called the time tunnel, which has become like this multimedia elevator ride. So originally this, I don't know, giant hole in the castle started out as a well. Since it was a fortress, it's, you know, was a real castle back in the day. And they've turned it into an elevator for uh, functionally used for those that were living there. And then it turned into a multimedia thing. So it kind of looks like it does some history and maybe some creepy things on the elevator ride. It's only one way. But it looks pretty cool. Did we, um, did we mention why this castle's famous? I'm getting there. Okay, got it. So this Bran Castle, or Braun, I'm not quite sure the proper pronunciation, because I'm not Romanian. It's famous for being Dracula's castle, because in Bram Stoker's book, Dracula, 
it kind of describes this castle to a T. And it was in Transylvania. But the problem is, is that historians are figuring that he actually made the description of the castle for his book based on illustrations of Brown Castle. Mm-hmm. And it's the only castle in Transylvania. So when you read the book and you're like, oh, Transylvania. Oh, look, castle in Transylvania. Must be it. <laughs> the powers of deduction. Um, <laughs> yes. And then if you're kind of a, a history nerd like I am, then you know about Vlad the Impaler, who is also called, you know, Dracula. Ah, uh, that Vlad the Impaler. How many Vlad the Impalers do you know? I've got at least four in my phone book. Super common name these days. Damn. Parents and their crazy have three. names. <laughs> yeah, so Vlad the Impaler was known as Dracula. He was sort of in the area, but fun fact, he never had possession of this castle. <laughs> Technicality. So it just... Yeah, it's mostly related to the book Dracula, but fun historical fact, Vlad the Impaler did spend some time there when he was captured, and he was locked up there for like two months. It's kind of like owning it. No. It's like um, unwilling stay at a and b <laughs> where the accommodations aren't so hot. That's one way of putting it, I guess. Because really, yeah. what is prison but, but an Airbnb you don't have to pay for? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You should not go into real estate. That's a bad idea. Forgets to close all murders that happened. But no. So, um, Brand Castle being Dracula's castle, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch. Onto why it got that name, because our historical Dracula just, you know, involuntary stay there. But it's a really cool old castle. It's, like, kind of in the mountains, on a hill. I mean, I want to go. I think it would be cool looking. I mean, I'm not opposed to going to Transylvania. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. It, It sounds super fun. The castle looks really cool. It's... Fun and historical. And, uh, yeah. Sweet. Check it out. Tell everybody you went to Dracula's castle. Do you think they have t-shirts that say things like, I went to Dracula's castle and all I got was steak? And all I got was a stupid (laughs) t-shirt? Oh, um, so back to the Halloween party that they do here. There is uh, a restaurant at the castle. I think it's lower down in a different building uh but you could do a gourmet dinner there does it so you could probably get steak at dracula's castle do you think they serve blood sausage maybe i don't know but yeah brown's castle not quite the dracula castle you had in mind but it's still dracula's castle and pretty rad looking hey Sometimes you don't even need the fun backstory. A rad castle is always pretty rad. Well, by definition, because it's rad. Rad castle is rad. (laughs) But hey, if you can throw some, like, mythology on top of it, awesome. Yeah, why not? But it's also kind of cool that you have a book that matches a castle. 
instead of like making it fit you know what i mean Hmm. yeah so like cinderella's castle like the fairy tale castles they kind of exist but they're not quite exact that's what disney has told us about but this one kind of fits the bill seeing how it's pretty much based the description from a real life castle cool yeah fun and historical and looming threat of vampire attack chomp chomp <laughs> is that what sound vampires makes make in your head <laughs> yes yes they do melinda's like you see that guy over there he's a vampire you want to know how i know you just said chomp chomp no, no no i'm pretty sure he wasn't making dinosaur sounds he's a vampire wait does that mean that dinosaurs are vampires Yes. Chomp chomp. Why do you think they survived okay. for so long? And were killed by a flaming ball in the sky. Who wouldn't get killed by that? Like, honestly, it's not their fault. Right. Right. But, like, vampires can't see the sun. What if the flaming ball was very sun-like? Well, I'm going to assume yes, because, you know, the sun's kind of hot okay. and fiery. Yeah. Wait, does that mean I'm a vampire? The sun hurts me so badly. Okay, well, wear your sunscreen. <laughs> what if vampires just needed to put sunscreen on and then they'd be fine? Like SPF 1000? This whole time they could have been wandering among us, but they didn't know they could just put sunscreen on. I guess you are a vampire then under this new theory. <laughs> I have more thoughts about vampires than I thought I did. They don't sparkle in the sun. I know that much. Ugh. Gross. (laughs) I'm sorry. Instead of chomp chomp, they go sparkle sparkle. (sighs) I hate this decade. Can we go back to a previous one when we didn't think vampires sparkled? God. You know, I'm going to... Can I take Brown Castle back and do uh, Forks Washington? (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway... You can go to Forks, Washington for the Twilight stuff. It's fine. I'm just pretty sure that Brown Castle is going to be way cooler. You get to go to Romania. You get to go to Transylvania. And you get to see Dracula's castle. I'm willing to bet there's more stuff in Transylvania than there is in Forks. Let's go to Brown Castle and bring glitter. (laughs) (laughs) What are you people doing? We're updating it to be more... We're from Washington. We know what vampires look like. So, poof. And then we're banned from Romania. Oh, I don't want to be banned from a company. No. From a company? Country. I was scrolling and saw the word company in the article for my next Um, thing. mm -hmm. Dracula and Co. Dracula and Co. We throw glitter at everybody and other vampires. (laughs) I don't think that's how vampirism is transferred between people. I'm pretty sure that's what we all learned from Twilight, but okay. Otherwise, a lot of kindergarten teachers would be vampires now. They are. That's how they're able to teach kindergarten for so long. (laughs) Without it draining their life force. Yeah. Because they don't have a life force anymore. Yeah. Nope. Moving on from bad ideas. To weird ideas. So, 
Next on our list is the Island of Dolls in Mexico. Just south of Mexico City, there is an island that is now known as the Island of Dolls. I would say it in Spanish, but I don't want to offend anyone with my terrible pronunciation. So, 50 years ago, there was a man named Don Julian Santana who left his wife and child and just decided, I'm going to live on this island in the middle of a lake. And he found out, according to the legend, he had found out that a girl had died in the lake by drowning. And he started putting dolls around sort of as offerings to her to honor the spirit of this little girl who had died. But he didn't just stop after a few dolls. He put up... No, because that would make sense. No, no, no. You got to put up all the dolls. So he started collecting lost dolls from the canals around the island or from the trash or just basically anywhere he could get a doll, he would take it. He didn't fix any of the dolls that were broken. He didn't clean any of them. He just started hanging them up and positioning them around the island. And, uh, but even like the dolls that were in perfect shape, if he bought them new, being exposed to the elements for 50 years has left them in pretty frightening shape. Like these dolls are pretty beat. Eyes are popping out. Limbs are coming off. Hair is ripped out. They're dirty. They're muddy. They're just kind of terrifying. These, these are quite the dolls. Google images. It's creepy. Yes, it is very unsettling looking, especially since a lot of them are hung up by their necks from these trees. Hmm. Uh, No. Yeah. So he had his own cabin on this island, and it was also filled with dolls. And he'd put, like, headdresses on them and dress them up. And he... It is said that he found them as, like, beautiful protectors that would welcome visitors, and he would show people around. Like, he would actually give people tours of the island while he was still alive. And while he was alive, I mean, it was a tourist location. It is now doubly so because since, well, okay, I don't know how to put this delicately. In 2001, the man who created the island and turned it into an attraction somehow coincidentally drowned in the same spot where the little girl was said to have drowned. Oh, no. Oh, no. And so it was a tourist attraction before he ever passed away. And it's what he wanted. He wanted people to come see the dolls that he had put up because it kind of towed the line between being a mythological story, like an urban legend, I mean, where this girl may or may not have died. Nobody really knows if she ever existed. But once he realized people were interested in seeing these dolls, the urban legend around it was built up. This girl became, whether or not she actually existed, she became part of the urban legend. He built shrines to her, and he started charging tourists to come around and take photos. But the fact that he died has sort of added to the legend and made it, creepier and yeah well it's just like building it up more 
Yeah, well, and now there are tours that will take you from Mexico City down to the island to see all of the dolls. It's four hours and it costs about $75. Plus, I'm sure there's all kinds of add-ons for photography and all of that. But um, yeah, his shrine to a girl who may or might not have existed still lives on because nobody's taken those creepy, creepy dolls down. Yikes. Yeah. Honestly, I did not know until researching this that he had also passed away. And from what I've read, there's a very good chance he didn't actually drown in that spot, but that it became part of the legend because it enhanced it and made it seem creepier. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's not it's not about seeing where this man died. It's about seeing what he built while he was alive. And that was an island of dolls. Yeah. Truly give it a goog. Look it over. It's it's unsettling. Like there's I mean, anytime there's a collection a large collection of dolls anywhere, but particularly outdoors. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's inherently creepy. Yeah. I think if you read between the lines, this was a guy who did something a little weird. People checked it out, and he realized, oh, people think this is strange. I can capitalize on this. And he just kept doing yeah. it. I mean, why not? Everybody's got to have a hobby. <laughs> Speaking about hobbies and putting things together, let's talk about catacombs. That's I, Would we call that a hobby? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was a job. As you may know, some, I mean, Rome probably has, does Rome have the most catacombs? Rome has a lot of different catacombs that, like, there's, like, no Christian church without a catacomb, it seems like, in Rome. But, um, and we'll get there. But one of the other big famous ones are the ones of Paris, um, because those are creepy and, I don't know what year, but there was the movie As Above, So Below, mm-hmm. which is about the Paris catacombs, more or less. That movie's kind of creepy and weird. Check it out if it's online. It's kind of cool. Um, but they're they're kind of a big deal for the ones in Paris, which started out in the late 18th century. Um, there was big public health concerns with the cemeteries and just all the bodies that were in mass graves and whatnot. So they decided to move the bones into these already there quarries. Because hmm. it's safer for the public to put them underground. So <clears throat> I think they were loosely stacked. And then over time, they kind of stacked it in a more space-saving manner, if you will. <laughs> the Marie Kondo of dead bodies. Ooh, not dead bodies of bones. Bones. Let's clarify. Excuse me. It's bones. Yeah. Which I think a lot of these, these were plague victims. Mm. Do I have my timeline right? I think. So it's a big tourist attraction. You can buy your tickets online if you want to skip the lines. It gets cold because you're underground. You're quite a bit underground. It was like a hundred and some odd steps down and a hundred and like 14 steps back up. Which I don't know why they listed mm-hmm. that. It was just kind of weird. Um, but the the catacombs of Paris have actually been open to the public since 1809. And back mm-hmm. then, it was appointment only. <laughs> Which oh. I thought was kind of funny. 
Do you get a VIP tour guide like at Disneyland? I don't know. They didn't say, but it was appointment only. Um, But I mean, that just shows our fascination with death that we've had. If by we, you mean you. (laughs) Okay. The public and I. But yeah, so super famous are the Catacombs of Paris. Uh, Rome has a whole bunch. There's a lot of different tour options if you want to check out Catacombs in Rome. One that I went to, and is probably one of the smaller ones that people don't know so much about, is called the Capuchin Crypts. And they're uh, for the Capuchin Friars, which, yes, I realize there are Capuchin monkeys, but they're pretty sure that this religious sect ended up lending their name to these new world monkeys that were discovered. Well, do you know where the word Capuchin comes from? No, probably not. Oh, no. It comes from the German word, or at least the same place that the German word Kapuze comes from, which means hood, because the friars wore hoods. Okay, yeah. And the monkeys have, like... The rough? A crown on the... Yeah, exactly, that looks like a hood as well. So yes, these are capuchin friars, and they didn't look like little monkeys that are used as actors. Monkeys. But were they monkeys? No, they were friars. Oh. Yeah. You ruined my joke. I know. It wasn't even a good joke, and you had to deflate it. I know. Um, But these friars believed in living very simply and in poverty for the most part, part, which is kind of crazy because... Located underneath the Our Lady of the Conception of the Capuchins, which is a 17th century church, you go through the museum that talks about the history of the friars and how they kind of became to be of living simply and whatnot. And then you go down and there's these little rooms and the bones of friars, I think it's just friars, are stacked and organized in, and this is in quote, enchanting baroque patterns (laughs) there's simple things of just like the friars that are kind of been mummified and placed up against the wall and like bone stacked to really ornate patterns of what looks like little skeletal angels Mm -hmm. like if you kind of think of like the really fancy like molding that's done on walls and ceilings of old palaces and whatnot that's kind of what they did with the bones Oh, yeah. A real Martha Stewart type. (laughs) But it's Baroque patterns. Um, It's really cool. It was really interesting. This is one that I actually have been to, and it was really neat. And it also kind of emphasizes the fact that a lot of these big old European cities are built on layers. They just Mm. built on top of on top of on top of. And... Yeah, so there's a lot of interesting things underground. Fun fact about the Paris catacombs. The reason you will never see a skyscraper in the heart of Paris is that there's such a massive network of catacombs underneath of it that there's no place that is stable enough to build a tall building on. Yeah. So that's creepy. And then... Paris and Rome, I guess there's so much stuff underground that... You can't build a skyscraper on a thin crust of land if there's a giant pit under it. Yeah. A lot of Europe that has any tunnels or catacombs or whatnot, it's 
not necessarily stable, so there's only like certain parts that you can see. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it's just not safe to be into, getting into. But yeah, catacombs. They're creepy, they're interesting, and uh, we've been fascinated by them for um, years and years and years. Yeah, and in Paris, there's a secret organization of people who travel through the catacombs. In fact, they will set up movie nights, and they will bring a generator down into the catacombs and watch movies, and police have to go down there and hunt them out because they're not supposed to be down there. But they set up all kinds of booby traps and tripwires to alert themselves to the fact that a police officer is coming. And so it's not uncommon for the police to wander into a cavernous space in the catacombs, see chairs and a uh, projector screen rolled up against the wall. But the people will have all evacuated because they knew the police were coming. God, what if you go the wrong direction while you're trying to scurry? They all know them so well because they spend so much time down there. It's like people who visit abandoned buildings and, like, spelunk through architectural waste. They do it so much that they know it so well and they don't get lost. That's still, like, so, so creepy. Yeah. These are things you learn by listening to the QI podcast too much. (laughs) What a dork. But um, speaking about a lot of bones and churches... Yes. So on a similar topic, there is the Sedlak Ossuary in the Czech Republic. Similar to the Capuchin catacombs that Melinda was talking about, this is a church that has decorated itself with bones. So the reason that happened is that someone involved with the church, they went to the Holy Land, brought some soil back from where Christ's belongings once were came back and kept it in the church and it was seen as like a huge coup for this church suddenly they have something that is directly linked to the holy land and so people wanted to be buried at the church where this soil was kept but the problem was is that too many people suddenly wanted to be buried at the church where this was kept and they now had an influx of bodies that they didn't have really space for. And so, you know, when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. And when life hands you bones, you decorate. <laughs> well said. And that concludes our uh, home decor tip. You will not learn this from the Property Brothers. Probably not. It's probably frowned upon. Yes, but this church has, like, the coat of arms for the church is made entirely out of bones. There's garlands hanging the rafters made of skulls. You name it. Like, the cherubs at the altar are holding bones. And none of these are fake bones. They are all from parishioners or people from the neighboring villages who wanted to be buried at the site of where the soil was kept. Like, the tombstones, instead of being engraved, have bones spelling out the words. It's a lot. It's a lot, a lot of bones. I mean, that's the problem when you have a lot of mass deaths or you've had a cemetery that's been there for so long, you're going to run out of space. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do with everybody? Yeah, and it said... You get creative. The big, the bulk of their influx of bones was due to the black death and then there was a war in the 15th century and just 
they just ran out of space. So it is definitely a really interesting site. It's another place I would highly recommend Google imaging it if you have the stomach to see what is a lot, a lot of skulls. But it's really fascinating. They got very creative. You got to hand it to them. Yeah, for sure. I just, I want to know who the person was that they brought in and who was like, you know what? I don't think we're using these bones to their maximum potential. And you know what? I kind of like mosaics. I think I can make some bone mosaics. Some bone zakes, if you will. Let's make a chandelier out of everybody. <laughs> and there's genuinely... Crystal shampoo- chandeliers? No, 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 Bone. That's what's up. Yeah, I mean, there is, in fact, a chandelier where the candles come out of skulls. And instead of where you might have crystals dangling from the arms of the chandelier, it's femurs. It makes a statement. It's not necessarily it a look I'd like in my own home, but you can appreciate it when you see it out in the world. This is somewhere where I'd actually like to go visit to, too. Yeah, I missed it when I was in the Czech Republic because when I went, I was like 16, 17. And it is really con- hard to convince your peers that they want to go look at a church full of bones. I feel like that should have been like prime age group disappointed in you guys not the group i was with well you're just hanging out with the wrong crowd now aren't you oh there was one girl in our exchange trip who was very 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 devoutly christian and she found out that i was agnostic and she said oh i think i've heard of that and this was back when i was agnostic and not atheist and she goes is that where you believe that the spirit world starts three feet off the ground what (laughs) and i'm (laughs) and i asked her i'm like can can you explain more she goes well right about here and she gestures to about three feet that's where the ghosts start casper is that you devin devin sawa let's hold hands oh you only have three fingers awkward so she was maybe not the uh, target demographic to go to this particular church. Okay, fine, I guess. <laughs> She's going to be the, if, the one that says no, hard no. Yeah. Very nice girl. Slightly confused about a few things. That's fine. But, um, yeah, if you find yourself in the Czech Republic, or as they now say, Czechia, and you will be corrected on Twitter if you say the Czech Republic. Um, check it out. Not to be confused with Chechnya. Very different place. Yes, different places. Uh, we're going to bring it back to the States. Um, another famous historical place. You know, one of the few that we actually have here. Uh, Salem, Massachusetts. Let's talk about that. <laughs> That's my witch laugh. Oh, Okay. Uh, as most of you probably had to at some point in your uh, public education career, you probably read The Crucible. I did not. Just me? Nope. You didn't? Wow, that was fun. Uh, So The Crucible is probably one of the really known uh, plays, plays, right? 
books, plays, things uh, that most people have to read in school. And it's about the famous Salem witch trials that happened way back in 1692. So Salem, Massachusetts um, is probably most known for the witch trials that happened there in um, ye old colonial times. Ye, ye old colonial? <laughs> Can I not have those together? <laughs> I don't know. Never heard them together. Sounded good. I'm processing. It sounded good. Where <laughs> um, in the tiny town of Salem and the devout little Puritans... They started having accusations that certain members of the community were witches and that they were, they were, like, their spirits were, like, messing with them, essentially, where they're having, like, convulsions <laughs> and hysteria and all this stuff. Uh, chances are those young girls that started accusing people of being witches were faking it. There's many theories on how and why that might have um, cause these hallucinations and whatnot that, that they are having. But that was a major point of history for us. As gloomy as that may sound. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, a lot of people ended up being uh, in prison, hung, crushed to death. Drowned to prove that they're not yeah. witches, which proved that they were witches. Yeah, that was a little... Uh, that was some weird logic on that one. Um, but yeah, so it's, and, you know, supposedly there's, there's some creepy happenings that are still there from, um, all these witch trials that happened on. So October there is, like, there's a, an event calendar that they have for, like, the tourism website. There's a lot of things that go on. Imagine that. You know, which isn't Halloween. Imagine a destination capitalizing on their dodgy history. Yeah. So if you want historical tours, there's historical tours. If you want, like, haunted historical tours, they've got it. They do a whore fest. There's a psychic and witch market, which actually sounds kind of cool. A, a, a what fest? A whore. Salem whore fest. <laughs> but not, like, whores. That. You don't call them that Ho anymore. Okay, I couldn't tell if you were saying whore or horror. horror. <laughs> just checking. Uh, I just wanted to pump the brakes and make sure we were clear that there was not a sex worker festival in the middle of historical Not Salem. that they had listed on the calendar. That might be like a side thing. Um, That's the <clears throat> secret menu. Secret menu. There's a psychic and witch market. <laughs> Uh, Ghost and Legends tours. It's so it during October you can do like the fun, maybe a little kitschy, like Halloweeny stuff. But there's also a lot of historical importance. So mm -hmm. fun and educational, I think, would be going to Salem, Massachusetts this time of year. I've heard it's a blast. I read an article a couple years ago about a woman who went, who was supposed to be in. Massachusetts for something else but it happened to overlap with Halloween and she goes oh, I'm gonna take a side trip to Salem and everything she described sounded delightful yeah it it sounds like they kind of go all out and embrace their uh, 1692 roots I mean 
sometimes you just got to take what you got. And if your story is, hey, our town may or may not have been full of witches, let's face it, it was not full of witches, then uh, go with it. Witches and death. Death, definitely. Yeah. Witches, probably not. Unnecessary deaths? Yes. Very much so. Yeah. The uh, uh, points for creativity, though, I guess, back then. And creating mass hysteria. <laughs> points for mass hysteria. That would be a weird comment on your report card. Negative points for actually, you know, killing people. Let's go, though. I actually, I would, I think that would be a lot of fun. I love anything. How did you never have to read The Crucible, either? Because The Crucible at our school was standard reading level, and if you were above reading level, you read different books. I was above reading level, and that's still what we did in our English class. It's just different curriculum. Never had to read it. But for some reason, I had to read To Kill a Mockingbird three times. Oof. Which is, it's a great book, just... Doing book reports on it three years in a row is a lot. It's a little yeah. much. You should have done The Crucible. Learned about some uh, witch hunting. Yeah, I would have much rather do The Crucible over some of the books we had to read in our classes. I'm looking at you, Sophie's yeah. World. World's worst book on earth ever. Isn't it Sophie's Choice? No, Sophie's World. Sophie's Choice is a movie. Sophie's World is a book where they, like, spoon-feed you 50 different philosophies. It's, like, it's really, really awful. It's maybe 800 pages, and every 20 pages they pick a new philosophy style. It's like, this week we're learning about Kierkegaard. Sophie gets notes from her magical friend who teaches her philosophy through the mail. It's awful. That sounds horrible. It was truly mind-numbing and honestly i stopped reading it after like five chapters because i was done yeah i'm cool about learning about uh people that were followers of satan and they had cats which were their familiars so cats are demonic um i'm looking at one right now and i'm looking at a dog and out of the two it is not the cat that's demonic mine are (laughs) birdie's not fully a black cat she's just a partially black cat maybe that's why same with Allie, but she causes trouble. <laughs> she, she's got a touch of Satan. So uh, a touch of destiny is a touch of Satan. Moose has got way more than a touch of Satan, as evidenced <laughs> by the fact that I'm sitting wrapped up in a comforter that is just torn to shreds, and I'm in, like, piles of batting. Okay, look, here's the thing. He wanted you to decorate for Halloween, and he's seen that fake cobweb stuff, so he thought he could help you out. <laughs> get a jump start on that that must be it he's so helpful yeah he just he just wants to get into the season he wants to be a part of today's episode hey moose are you a poop yes you are you're a poop he knows (laughs) (laughs) sure he does sure he does yes so on a similar type of mm, site a similar setting we have i think we hit the point of like historical america creepiness yes so another historical american creepy thing 
is the Winchester Mystery House of San Jose, California. So there is a lot, a lot of misinformation out there about the Winchester Mystery House that might make it sound creepier than it probably actually is in reality. But if we're diving headlong into the world of creepy, there's certainly a lot of creepy stories out there about it. Yes, there is. Most of them are false, but that's okay. Because sometimes it's fun just to read creepy stuff. Yes. <laughs> so Sarah Winchester had married into the Winchester family of the famous Winchester Rifles. Uh, her husband and child died quickly one after the other, and she inherited his entire share of the Winchester Rifle Company, which at the time in the 1800s was $20 million dollars. That is not adjusted for inflation. Roughly, it would be half a billion dollars in today's currency. That's a lot of money to just kind of fall in your lap. So they lived on the yeah, <laughs> they lived on the East Coast, and after her husband and daughter died, she just decided she was going to pick up and move west. Which, from all accounts, she was probably completely traumatized by the deaths in her family totally fair yeah so if you lose your entire family in a short amount of time because her daughter died as an infant which means that her husband died either quickly after conception or shortly after birth like there was a very short window between when her husband and daughter died i don't have the exact dates in front of me just take my word for it <laughs> but also question <laughs> So according to some urban legends, she was told to move west by a psychic or, you know, she was just really sad and needed to live somewhere else and heard California was great. That's probably slightly more likely. She moved to California and bought a eight room, eight bedroom farmhouse that was not fully completed yet. It was nearly done, but not quite there. And here she is. She's literally making thousand dollars a day profits off of the rifles that are being sold in her family's name which adjusted for inflation would be twenty six thousand dollars every single day whoa so our friend sarah winchester's got a little money to burn a little and her husband before he died had been an architecture fanatic like some people are nerds about I don't know, astrology. Some people are ner Sorry, I mean astronomy. People are nerds about all kinds of things. He just geeked out over architecture. And by all accounts, she probably was doing what she was about to do with his interest and his spirit in mind. And I mean spirit, not in a metaphysical way. But she took the... She bought the farmhouse and started renovating it. And then she pretty much never stopped renovating this house for the next 38 years until her death. There were times when she took breaks. People like to say that she truly renovated 38 years straight. She probably didn't. She's human. She takes breaks. People go on vacation. It wasn't <laughs> continuous. But she was sort of reclusive. She was not 
she was not part of the social scene as much as she would have been probably if her family had not disintegrated. And there was a lot of, of course, stigma at the time, late 1800s, early 1900s, about women who lived on their own. And even more so a woman who was independently wealthy and didn't go into the social scene and flaunt that. So a, a lot of the spin on her story comes from the fact that she was the lady who never left her house. <laughs> Single women are not particularly looked well upon in history. No. Well, especially like further back, it, like you're supposed mm-hmm. to kind of disappear. Yes. So she took this house and built and built and built. And her two-story, eight-bedroom house quickly turned into a seven-story house. (laughs) Which, I don't know about you, I don't know a whole lot of seven-story houses. I don't think they're uh, often. Uh, There was... No, not really. It's not a thing that comes up a lot. And eventually there was an earthquake that knocked down many of the stories of the houses and it was what was rebuilt was built up to no higher than four stories she really truly just constantly had new ideas for this house or she'd start building one wing of the house and decide she was bored of it they would abandon all projects and she'd start building in another section so there are rooms all over this house that are half built or They would be built up over existing rooms. For instance, there's one room that had a beautiful stained glass window that faced the outside, obviously, like most stained glass (laughs) windows do. She decided she didn't like it. They built up a wall around it. So there are untold priceless treasures inside the walls themselves. But part of the reason people think she was into the cult and she was kind of creepy spooky is that there was a motif throughout the house that she had them incorporate over and over again of a spider web huh and she liked the number 13 so a lot of her stained glass windows have spider webs on them that have 13 rows of silk or in her closets there would be 13 hooks and like the gate at the front of the house has a spider web motif hmm i dig it so Maybe she was being influenced by someone who was leading her towards the occult. Maybe she was just kind of a little kooky. (laughs) But by all accounts, this house could not be kookier. There are stairs that lead to nowhere. You get to the top of the stairs and you can't keep going because there's a ceiling above you. There There was only one working bathroom in the house, despite the fact that there were 13 bathrooms. And that one working bathroom didn't have a regular door. It had a door with a glass panel in it. Like, it was just basically a, a door with a window in it. Although that can be explained by the fact that as she got older, she needed a nurse. She wanted to be able to go to the bathroom by herself, but the nurse needed to make sure she was okay. Okay. So, hence the glass. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. But the urban legend surrounding the house says that the reason all of this was happening was because she was told she needed to build a house big enough to house the souls of all the people who were killed by the Winchester rifles. Right. But I've heard that one. It seems equally likely to me that 
she just had more money than she could possibly spend. And by having workers in the house, she always had company. And so constantly having people working and adding and changing the house meant there was constantly someone around her. And let's face it, she's probably a little kooky and eccentric, and the psychic that she was paying was probably helping to feed into that. Yeah. And when you're the head, well, she wasn't the head of the company, but she was one of the main benefactors of a company that directly led to a lot of people's death. And knowing the pain of losing someone who's died, there's probably an element of guilt and stress on her life. Yeah, for sure. So if you go to the Winchester Mystery House, they have all kinds of tours. They recently created a new tour where you get to go through rooms that have previously not been open to the public. And they do, of course, have special events at Halloween. Uh, one of which is a incredible light projection show where you sit in the the garden of the house and watch them project. To be honest, I could not fully understand what it was, the plot of what it was being projected onto the house, but apparently it's very spooky and it has elements of history about the house and I'm sure it's played up for Halloween's maximum spookiness, but it looked really interesting. Oh, I thought of one more unusual thing about this house that is a major health and safety risk. Ooh. Out of the third story of the house, yeah. there is a door that just opens out over the garden. That's probably my favorite feature. I'm not. I love the idea that there was this woman having her house built. She's paying the workers top notch dollars. Like, she's not paying them minimum wage these people are being paid very well which kind of lends some credence to the idea she's paying people to be around her uh because otherwise why would you hear an older lady say you know what i want a door here ma'am ma'am that opens to the outside yes and you you want a balcony off of this right no 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 just the door yeah and there's multiple doors in this house that if you open them, on the other side is just a wall. Yeah, isn't there staircases that go nowhere? Mm-hmm. It just goes to, like, ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, there's an attic room where the boards that are made, that make up the flooring have massive holes in them. So you can't actually go in them because you will just fall through. It's like a fun house that maybe is a little trappy. I heard the house described as if a house had been designed by a toddler with a crayon. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Mixed with MC Escher. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's probably actually the best way to describe it. It would definitely be cool to check out, though. Yeah, you can book rooms there. You can house events. It's all kinds of cool stuff. So... Check it out if you're in San Jose. Yep. And as easily as this list could go on, we just want to give you a jumping off point if you're looking for creepy Halloweeny things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's many more. We could probably go on. This could be a multitude of episodes. 
I think we have a recurring Halloween special now. Yeah. Some pla- some podcasts have Christmas specials. We're going to do Halloween. Yay! <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll bring back our um, uh, Midnight Society. Another episode of that. Yeah. But yeah, uh, hopefully this has given you some delightfully spooky inspiration for some travels. It doesn't have to be far. There's some good bloody history in the U.S. and uh, out in the world as well. Yeah. Should I? Ooh, I think it's time for tip of the week. Yes. So, as you may have gathered from this list, some places you might want to visit while you are traveling are a little more sensitive than others. So if you find yourself visiting a place that is well known for maybe a murder or a, you know, some sort of event where someone was harmed, that would be a good moment to uh, turn on your sensitivity dial, like turn it up a little bit, just keep clicking the dial over. Because some of the things we talked about are places where someone passed away many, many, many years ago. And nobody has a direct connection to it anymore. But any time in the last hundred years where someone may have died, there's someone out there that has a connection to that place still. And unless you know every single person surrounding you, then uh, you don't know. Maybe the person next to you has a connection and they don't want to hear you're joking about it and whatnot. So be cautious and be aware. Most of what we know Most of the places, particularly in the U.S., where you might go, where something bad has happened that has turned into a tourist attraction, is in recent enough history for there's someone to be alive with a connection to it. So just keep that in mind and don't be too silly. As we learned from the Logan Paul thing at the suicide forest in Japan. Yeah. Granted, that is a very extreme example of someone acting like a massive asshole, but it's you know. very untasteful. Yeah, don't don't be that person, particularly in places like concentration camp where apparently they have massive issues with tourists wanting to take selfies or like Chernobyl where people go and take bikini selfies for some reason. I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to be interested. It's okay to go and visit so long as it's an actual destination. But be cautious and be kind. Be respectful. But definitely go check out Disneyland at Christmas at Halloween because it's really, really cool. And Halloween treats. Halloween treats. So, yeah, I think that's this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got some interesting inspirations for travel. Maybe you learned something new historically because, I mean, you kind of can't have one without the other. Yes. History and travel go together regardless of whether or not you want to admit it and like it. so yeah go out and see some spooky stuff it's fun and if you can't go out to see something spooky go to a local haunted house because those are really fun support your local haunters don't punch them that's a thing that happens in haunted houses a lot like don't just put your arms out and wander (laughs) You can't grope people. It's not okay. My problem wasn't the groping. It was the people who had the reflexive instinct to punch. It goes with the territory. Come on. Flight or fight. 
And you just look so punchable. I know. I do have quite the punchable face. But it really messes with the stage makeup. Yes, it does. But yeah, support your local (laughs) haunted houses. Those were some good times in my youth, acting and being a part of them. Um, I love Halloween. Don't forget, it's an adventure. So go see spooky stuff and eat Halloween candy, but not candy corn because that stuff's garbage. Oh, yeah. We don't believe in candy corn here. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Seattle to Unknown. Don't forget to tell your friends about us and subscribe so you never miss a thing. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest under C2Unknown. That's S-E-A-T-O Unknown. Or you can check us out on our website, www.c2unknown.com. Want to know what we do on our off time? You can find both Sarah and I on Twitter and Instagram. Sarah is at S-A-R underscore S, and I'm at Hooligan Monster on both. We would also love to hear from you. Send us an email with your stories and travel tips to c2unknown at gmail.com. Until then, it's an adventure. Bye!